podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup digest, covering latest matches and news. Today we're going to talk about matches number 35, 36, 37 and 38. These matches were played between uh, South Africa and Sri Lanka at Durham, Chesterley Street, Pakistan and Afghanistan at Headingley Leeds, Australia and New Zealand at Lords, and the last one between India and England played at Edgbaston. So let me welcome my co-host Ajit so we can talk about this. Hello Ajit, how is it going? Hi Giri. I'm doing good. Well, uh, I'm hoping a very hectic week has come to an end for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be back on uh, full time enjoying the World Cup and well, um it would it could have been more interesting if a couple of uh, the results had gone another way. But nonetheless, there's still plenty of excitement left as far mm-hmm. as we are concerned mm-hmm. because you know well at least uh, south africa and uh, afghanistan west indies even to an extent sri lanka are probably knocked out mm-hmm. but uh, let's see let's see how it goes so let's get into it shortly mm-hmm. before we do all that let's look at the first match that's on our list that's match number 35 this will be south africa versus sri lanka right so in this game which is played in chestnut street on the 28th of june uh, south africa won the toss and elected to field first so this was a pretty pretty much of a one sided match so karuna ratna was dispensed of the very first ball of the match by rabada uh, you know it was a ball that was just short of good length and uh, caught in two minds karuna ratna uh, could not evade the ball or uh, you know block the ball confidently and it just took his bat and looped to the slip and he was dismissed right and uh, the two um, counter attackers uh, kusal pereira and avishka fernando did a bit of damage there and they took sri lanka to 67 even before the 10th over at which time avishka fernando was dismissed after this there was not a lot to write home about right so pereira also made just 30 mendes made 23 dhananjay de silva 24 uh, ajanta uh, jeevan mendes 18 and then uh, tisara pereira 21 and isuru dana 17 so all in all Sri Lanka made an underwhelming 203 all out uh, getting all out in the last over. So when we look at the bowling stats Rabada took 2 for 36, Morris 3 for 46 and Wayne Pretorius was coming back uh, into the South African squad in the place of uh, Lungi Ngidi took 3 for 25, Pelukwayo took 1 for 38, Imran Tahir did not take a wicket but considered just 36 of his 10 and then JP Dumini who was coming back into the squad in the place of the injured David Miller took 1 for 15, right? and there was not a lot uh, of panic uh, when south africa chases down it was a subpar total and of course even though quinton de kock got out early for 15 to malinga uh, hashim amla and then fast to plus he wrapped up the match without any more fuss so amla uh, made an unbeaten 80 and fast to plus an unbeaten 96 so it's a welcome uh, form uh, mm-hmm. discovery by the south african batsmen but probably a bit too late as far as they are concerned in the tournament right yeah That's true. Yeah, South Africa's dream is all but over, right? Um, and so is probably Sri Lanka's, mm-hmm. although it depends on a couple of other results uh, down the way. Right. But 
what a disappointing end uh, to the World Cup for uh, South Africa, especially. I think the squad promised uh, promise so much mm. uh, to start with. And then they lost a couple of uh, players even before the World Cup started. I think like Arik Norke. Yeah. This guy was injured. I think they lost some firepower there. And Engidi was unfit for a best, better part of the tournament. Uh, and then, you know, return of form for Amla, as you said. But yeah. Maybe it's a bit too late. In the end, I think it's important for the team morale that uh, they get a win under their belt. It's very important. Otherwise, I think otherwise they were looking uh, really downbeat in all the matches that they played. I think uh, some went, uh, you know, some some of them were very close matches, like the one against India, for example. Right. They, they there was a good fight back from them when they were bowling. Uh, but all in all, um, yeah, I think in the end, uh, we this actually continued the same, um, uh, well, the same tone as it did. When, when you talk about or when you think about the previously concluded uh, ODI series between uh, South Africa and Sri Lanka, I think it was pretty much the same. There was one-sided and then this was yet another match where uh, you know Sri Lanka were completely <laughs> uh, toppled over uh, by a very good South African team on the app, let's hope. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of a dead rubber for both uh, both of them. But let's see what happens uh, in the upcoming days. <laughs> if right. something opens up for uh, Sri Lanka, we're not sure yet, but we'll uh, keep an eye out for that. Well, I mean, it was a bit underwhelming for Sri Lanka because at the beginning of this match, they still had a chance. But at the end of it, it was, it was all but snuffed out, right? So, yeah, yeah you're right. But, uh, you know, there's still a bit of pride to be salvaged, I'm sure. Yeah, and the and the good thing here is the um, the rise of a youngster mm. by the name of uh, Abishka Fernando. I was watching him bat. I think I watched him in a couple of matches actually, and he looks very fluent. Uh, dare I say, almost like uh, Rohit Sharma. He's a very good timer of the ball. Right. Uh, and um, he looked very comfortable against the short pitch bowling. If you remember against that match uh, in uh, I think against the match or against England, previously he hooked a. Jofra Archer bouncer for a huge six over the square leg boundary. So he has a lot of potential. So it's it's all in all, I think uh, they've, they've discovered some new uh, talent there in that mm. squad, and hopefully uh, it uh, augurs well for them uh, in the in the future. So they need to build a team around uh, youngsters like him. Right. I would say, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe somebody like Dinesh Chandimal also comes back to the squad. Mm. They look completely listless. The middle order was not really doing its job. So maybe he can still shore it up if he can put aside the differences with the board and whatnot. That's one mm. thing. The other thing, uh, well, is it is it too much to always compare? Uh, he's a right-hander, isn't he, Avishka? So maybe mm. it's it's unfair for me to say it, but is he like anything like Mahela Jaivardhan or one of the other greats that the island has produced? Um, I would say Mahela Jayavardhana was, it was a bit more languid, you know. Uh, Avishka looks like he hits the ball very hard, but right. at the same time, he times the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. So, he has all the good technique. I saw some back foot cover drives, amazing. You know, you can play those back foot, especially the back foot cover drive can only be played by a guy who is really talented. It's one of the most difficult shots, as you know. right? So, he's good off the back right. foot. He's good off the front foot. Um, he's good, very good down the ground, you know, straight drives and all those. And he was very good with the flick shot, good balance. I saw those things. Um, so I think it's too early to draw a comparison. Uh, so let's hold back a bit more. Let's okay. see him develop a bit more. I think he's just 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a long career ahead of him if he's nurtured in the right way. Maybe somebody like Sangakkara 
you know does uh, helps him a bit because i saw him uh, sangakara do an analysis of avishka as soon as he was dismissed and he immediately pointed out a few flaws in his technique so there is still some you know uh, defects to be ironed out and you know uh, some improvements to be brought about in his batting technique I, i'm sure it looks very good it looks very promising for uh, sri lankan batting in the future if he continues in the same vein of form right do you do you have any other observation points here from this match well i mean if you look at just this match right uh, the other thing i noticed is uh, the ineffectiveness of uh, the middle order again matthews he did his job in one of the matches but also there were always starts so sri lankans could not convert the start at all so that was a bit of a letdown i think because yeah. south africa were good but nonetheless probably um, nobody decided to buckle down eat up a couple of balls the dot balls that is and then make mm-hmm. sure you know they take the innings deep but that didn't happen so for sure you know that was a very lackluster performance and i, I found a very interesting article where the skipper of Karna, um, sri lanka karuna ratna saying that uh, the sri lankan middle order does not have any confidence so that's a very interesting uh, thing to hear from a skipper who comes out and says it after a very key match so probably we'll go into it in a bit more detail in another time but that's a very weird thing to hear right yeah for sure let's yeah. see <laughs> so shall we look at the next match that was played uh, between pakistan and afghanistan a cracker go for it go for with it. a lot of expectation uh, from the neighboring countries mm-hmm. uh, people talking about revenge and all that uh, some off field topics as well i think we I remember watching a video by uh, the passionate shoaib akhtar Mm, talking about mm. a few things you know by uh, some statements made by uh, made by the afghanistan administration cricket administration and all that so there was a lot of tension and a lot of hope hype right. building up uh, prior to this match mm-hmm. uh, in the end i think a fair result uh, in terms of who won the match but it it was not short of a, you know misadventure by pakistan in the end so right. <laughs> it's it's a very strange match so let me summarize what happened so afghanistan won the toss at uh, you know headingly leads uh, and uh, decided to bat first because i think they thought it was a slowish wicket and it was expected to slow down even more with help for their spinners in the mm-hmm. latter part of the match that was the hope afghanistan began <clears throat> steadily to some extent uh, although they lost uh, gulbadin their captain uh, very quickly i think it was 27 or something the score um and after that they had a succession of wickets hashmatullah shahidi was dismissed for a duck you know i think it was probably by shahin shafridi in two consecutive deliveries and he was on a hat trick but unfortunately couldn't get a hat trick right um rahmat shah looked the more com- more composed of their batsmen but he was also dismissed eventually uh, right uh, by um, madwasim mm. and then um, some middle order you know stability was provided by ikram alikhil who was promoted up the order the wicketkeeper batsman 18 year old wicketkeeper batsman and he was joined by asghar afghan the former captain and they put on a steady partnership i think it was about um, 65 to 70 runs ikram alikhil uh, basically played a test innings he was just absorbing a pressure mm-hmm. and did not mm-hmm. score a lot of runs but asghar afghan looked very fluent he was also hitting the ball very nicely Uh, Asghar Afghan was dismissed eventually by uh, Shahab Khan the leg spinner he was bowled by him for 42 runs uh, Ikram Ali Khil uh, was dismissed very shortly after that uh, for 24 runs and then Afghanistan were five down for 125 runs um, in the 27th over 
Mm. And then Muhammad Nabi tried to, you know, uh, stay there at the crease. I think, but he was not his usual self. He was not able to accelerate or build an innings and then accelerate like he did against India, for example. Uh, although, you know, Najibullah Zadran, who is, I think, batting a bit lower down the order, he must be promoted in my opinion. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, he he tried to, you know, inject some momentum into their innings by scoring a 42 with uh, four fours. Um, Sami Ullashinwari held his ground in a year. He put on us, you know, he got a start, but he didn't convert that. Although, you know, he was not very fluent. He got 19 runs. Rashid Khan looked uh, attractive in his short play, but he was dismissed eventually by uh, Shahin Shafridi. And uh, Hamid Hassan, the returning fast bowler, uh, he was also dismissed uh, by Wahab Riyas for one run. In the end, Afghanistan managed a score of 227 runs for the loss of nine wickets in their 50 overs. When it comes right. to bowling, Pakistan open, opened their bowling with uh, the left-arm spin of uh, Imad Wasim. He picked up a couple of wickets for 48 runs. Mohammad Amir was very economical, but he didn't pick up a wicket in his 10 overs and went for 41 runs. Mohammad Hafiz bowled a couple of overs for 10 runs. Um, Shadab Khan bowled 10 overs of his leg break, googly, and then picked up a wicket for 44 runs. Wahab Riyas, Bowled very well, especially during the death overs and the latter part of the middle overs. He picked up a couple of wickets for 29 runs in his eight overs. And Shahin Shafridi was the pick of the bowlers. He picked up four wickets yet again, a big number of wickets there for 47 runs. He looked very good, but he also leaked away a few runs at the uh, at the beginning of the innings. But in the end, I think it was a probably an under par total on this pitch. And yeah. we, or everybody expected that Pakistan would chase it down. Uh, comfortably, but Afghanistan had other ideas, and Pakistan themselves had other ideas. Obviously, uh, Fakhar Zaman was dismissed for a duck. Uh, Imamul Haq uh, and Baba Razam put on a very good partnership of 72 runs for the first wicket, second wicket, uh, before uh, Imamul Haq was dismissed. Stumped of Muhammad Nabi playing an audacious sort. I don't know short. I don't know why he did that because they were mm. cruising along very nicely. Right. And Babar Arzam was actually admonishing uh, Im- uh, Imamul Haq as soon as he was dismissed. And uh, quite surprisingly, Babar Azam himself uh, got out in quite, you know, uh, in a very short period of time soon after that. Um, so Imam made 36, Babar made 45. And then Hafiz and Hari Sohail tried to, you know, study the innings again, build a partnership. Uh, but Hafiz was dismissed for 19, when he was on 19 by Mujib and uh, Hari Sohail was also go- out soon after that uh, having made 27 runs after that you know uh, Sarfraz Ahmad and uh, Ahmad Wasim they were both batting together very nicely uh, and Sarfraz was <laughs> uncharacteristically run out I would say I think there was a he was trying to attempt a second run when there was no second run it was his own call and then he well, he was well short of his ground and then he was dismissed. And then suddenly Pakistan was six down for 156 runs in the 39th over. Um, so Pakistan should have, you know, been in a more comfortable position, but yeah, they had found themselves to be, <laughs> uh, you know, staring down the barrel. And uh, Afghanistani spinners were bowling really well. Uh, they were not letting Pakistan off the hook. They were bowling very economic, uh, economically. They were bowling good line and length. They were turning the ball. The pitch was very conducive for spin bowling as well. And Imad was really struggling to get, he, get a ball, get his bat on ball, basically. 
and surprisingly with so many overs of spin remaining gulbadin the afghanistani captain he brought himself on to bowl his uh, medium pace in the 46th over and i think pakistan required something like uh, uh, in 30 balls they needed something like 40 odd runs or something yeah and then he yeah. went for i think 18 runs in one over and that basically turned the match turned the match on its head yet again uh, afghanistan had a clear cut chance of winning this had probably had he been you know uh, had he stuck to his spin bowling options but he brought himself on and then because of that uh, and uh, also because wahab riyas came in and you know uh, threw his long handle a bit and then scored a six and a four and then the match was over before uh, pakistan or afghanistan realized it in the end a fair result i would say because pakistan bowled really well and um, they chased this target down with two balls to spare uh, imad wasim remained not out on 49 runs well done to him um, in terms of bowling options uh, afghanistani spinners bowled really well mujib uh, mohammad nabi uh, rashid khan and also uh, samiul ashinwari bowled his leg breaks so rashid khan uh, picked up one wicket for 50 runs in his 10 overs nabi was very very economical fantastic bowling figures two wickets for 23 runs in his 10 overs amazing economy there 2.3 mujib picked up a couple of wickets and he also opened the bowling for afghanistan so he went for 34 runs 34 runs in his uh, 10 overs hamid hassan i think was injured uh, he bowled just two overs and then went for 13 runs did not pick up a wicket gulbadin unfortunately went for a lot of runs 73 runs in his 9.4 overs didn't pick up a wicket uh in the end um for his uh, all round performance imad wasim was adjudged the player of the match from pakistan he picked up a couple of wickets as well as uh, you know saw pakistan home in the end um so pakistan's hopes still i would say remain alive uh, also depending on other teams but uh, in the end i think uh, what do you think well uh, there are a couple of uh, very interesting talking points but before we get to those let's look at the batting order of afghanistan it, it was a bit uh, weird to see ikram ali khil coming uh, ahead of the likes of askar afghan or nabi or even samiul ashanwari so najibul azadran is treated as a hitter but i think that's not right because i think he can play both the holding as well as the hitting sort of a game in this case uh, to see ikram ali khil walk in at 4 was a bit of a surprise he is actually uh, more of a test match batter as you say and he was also a star at the under 19 level but i don't think he's been able to make the transition yet maybe the time will come shortly i would have seen somebody like nabi come in or even samuel ashanwari come in at 4 because they are also good at controlling the game much like a more experienced i don't know angelo matthews kane williamson they can bunt the ball here and there and move the score this is where i think they made a bit of a mistake uh, he may have taken up some of the momentum because his scoring rate of 36 was a bit too low that meant askar afghan had to always go on the charge given that nabi also could not get the ball rolling again the same thing happened that pressure fell on najibullah samuel ashanwari also had a very weirdly you know slowish innings but in the end as you say 227 for 9 was not going to be a good score it was 20 to 30 runs below par but they made it really work for them right when we come to the pakistani bowling uh, i would like to mention uh, the good work done by wahab riyas in spite of a broken finger it looks like he came out to play for his team and he took two for 29 he had a couple of uh, let's say wides that probably was not very welcome also he considered a few boundaries which i don't think sarfraz liked but at the end of the day he was very very effective right mm-hmm. this is one thing the other thing 
when it came his turn to bat i think it was the same problem he had to get his uh, sort of finger numbed through spray and he came out to bat i think he hit the two possibly most important boundaries in that innings even though imad wasim took uh, you know najibullah for uh, sorry uh, gulbadin for 18 runs in that over there were two fours hit by uh, wahab riyas so against rashid khan so mm-hmm. imad wasim looked a bit uncomfortable against rashid khan and he was not able to really get him away for runs off his last two overs which rashid bowled uh, wahab riyas hit him for one boundary each a four and a six and those were the most crucial blows because uh, otherwise the momentum was getting lost in every rashid khan over so he did really well there so a special mention to wahab riyas who really helped his team out now when we come to take a look at pakistani batting the other point i noticed was well how imamul haq has a he has a tendency to rush at the bowler and he i think he sort of premeditates this in nabi's case i think he seemed to have read it of imamul haq's body language and the ball that he bowled to uh, imamul haq was a very wide one it was almost as if predetermined also by the bowler and the keeper of afghanistan that mm-hmm. they would throw a ball wide and it was almost a full toss directly aimed at the keeper's hands it worked imamul haq blindly charged and was stumped so you are right that you know babar found also that also saw this whole interplay and he saw how imamul haq was out thought this is one thing the other thing the ball that got mohammad hafiz out mohammad hafiz did not look as comfortable as normal and somehow his form seems to be dipping uh, he looks comfortable at the crease but he is not able to take charge so as a result um, you know um, the ball that got him out was slightly slower by uh, mujibur rahman that meant that the ball that was going to probably it was a ball that deserved to be cut but the cut went a bit squarer than he had anticipated and went straight to the fielder's hand so he was also sort of worked out well and then i think there are a couple of important drop catches both of the bowling of samuel ashanwari if i'm not wrong one was also a cotton ball i think both were cotton ball yeah so samuel ashanwari if he had taken either of those could have been very pivotal the other thing is the fielding so i think asgar afghan dropped a very crucial catch the over in which there were 18 runs that were considered by gulbadin the second of those was a was a skyer that asgar afghan completely misjudged and could not even get close to so that was a very big blow i thought right if at that point in time if umad wasim was dismissed i don't think pakistan could have gotten across the line because the incoming batters would have been mohammad amir and shahin shafridi and as well as wahab riyas batted maybe shadab khan would have still been at the crease but i don't think that would have been possible so that was very important there and of course you already highlighted the other point with enough force of spin left i don't i don't know why gulbadin really bowled himself that was probably very crucial because imad wasim was struggling against the slower bowling and the moment he got pace on the bat he was able to capitalize and he really did a good job so of course rightly judged the man of the match so nothing to take a, a take away from his performance the other couple of talking points are what happened off the field right so we know there were some uh, banners displayed from the planes uh, and they caused some consternation among the supporters they were political in nature and icc was not very happy about it outside of that this started sort of a debate among pakistani and afghani fans in the crowd and as a result there were some clashes in the ground and uh, in this among the spectators and some had to be evicted this is one thing that happened the other thing a couple of afghani fans charged out into the field to meet their fans and heroes so to say which was not yet seen in this world cup and they were uh, mm-hmm. tackled by the let's say the stewards and they were taken away uh, when gulbadin was asked about it later 
uh, he laughed it off saying they are just uh, you know fans they want to touch us they want to just be close to us so it's just a you know a matter of a little bit of an ill judged uh, gesture nothing else so uh, some of these interesting points happened all through this match and it was a through through and through thriller and even going into the last over i would say if mm-hmm. it was given to a spinner or samuelashan wari was the only spinner left yeah. but probably if that over had been reserved probably the 48th or the 49th over was reserved mm-hmm. and maybe rashid khan got the last over or nabi who was sort of still you know nabi could have been used this was the point i thought you know maybe missed by gulbadin so it was mm-hmm. almost like you know nabi bowled a fantastic spell he took just uh, two wickets but in his 10 overs he considered only 23 runs so there mm-hmm. those overs needed to be saved when you saw that you know they were struggling it almost looked like asghar afghan was captaining and gulbadin was just a proxy there yeah. and it, it did not appear right you know some of these things that are happening we are very crucially um, you know missing a couple of links here so i would not comment on it but let's see what happens once phil simmons has something to say right yeah yeah all right moving forward let's look at the other match the match uh, that was played on the same day this was a dinner encounter between australia and new zealand so in this case um it was also a little bit of a thriller let's say because it was a low scoring game so in this game uh which was played uh, in uh, lords so in this game uh, australia had won the toss and elected to bat first but they were not particularly successful so having opened with the batting with a very successful pair warner was dismissed for 16 and finch for 8 and it looked like finch of old you know where uh, he was caught plumb in front by a ball coming into him by bolt he was out for 8 Warner struggled a little and could not find the fluency and he was caught behind of Ferguson. Usman Khwaja batted really well. He took the innings deep even though he could not really get away with a strike rate into 70s or 80s. He took his time and made sure his team got to a total that was competitive. He scored 88 of 129 balls which in the end really mattered. Steven Smith was out for 5 but the ball that was uh, taken to dismiss him was good but the catch so it was very intuitive field placing where there was a field uh, kept for a leg glance or a leg glide and martin guptill probably the best catcher in the new zealand team stood at that position and he pulled off a blinder to get steven smith out marcus stoinis smith 21 and then again glen maxwell failed here so a lot of credit go to, goes to carry because when he walked into bat australia were uh, in a bit of trouble to say the least they were 5 for 92 again this is the second time they are five down under 100 uh, facing a quality attack and that meant you know he had to buckle down he did that very effectively and he kept rotating the strike in the initial part of his innings but later he began to pick a bit of momentum so with khwaja playing so steadily he had the license to go for it and he scored nearly a run a ball 71 pat cummings came at the end and provided a bit of impetus even though khwaja could not uh, get a 100 his 88 was probably match winning right when it comes to the bowling trent bolt got four wickets and he took a, a hat trick here right so he dismissed um, pat uh, sorry uh, he was able to dismiss Um, Khwaja and then Stark and Berendorf of successive balls and this was the last over of the innings and he finished with 4 for 51 and then Lockie Ferguson bowled with a lot of menace and his figures at the end did not do justice to that 2 for 49 of 10 overs uh, Jimmy Neesham took 2 uh, for 28 of 6 and Kane Williamson himself saw that the Australian bowler batsman was struggling against spin and he took 1 for 25 Sodi had been brought into this match but he was curiously introduced close to the 30th over and he took uh, no wickets and considered 35 runs of his six overs and colin de grandhomme did a very good job eight overs one for 29 uh, sorry one made in 29 runs and no wickets when it came their turn to bat new zealand was still you know sort of favorites because only a target of 244 
But as usual, their uh, top-order batting let them down. Martin Guptill made just 20. And Henry Nichols, who's been brought into the squad in place of Colin Munro, also failed, made just 8. All of this was down to excellent seam and swing bowling by Berendorf at the beginning, who took both their wickets, and Stark, who had dismissed the crucial wicket of Kane Williamson. Because Kane Williamson and Ross Tiller again set up uh, tried uh, to set up the innings, but Kane Williamson was crucially dismissed uh, for 40 with the score on 97. Ross Taylor also tried hang on, hanging on a bit, but was dismissed for 30 when the score was 118. This meant a lot of pressure fell back on the middle order. Usually, Colin de Grandhomme delivers. He couldn't this time. He was out of the very first ball of the bowling of Smith. I think this was a bit of an ego play where, you know, uh, Smith was brought on to bowl and he thought, how dare he bowl at me? He lofted the first ball he faced straight down long off throat. It was a silly shot and something you would expect uh, some, not him to play. But uh, he got he got away. Uh, and then Tom Latham failed. Again, I mentioned to the catch that Smith took off the bowling of Stark here. Tom Latham had fairly walloped the ball, but Smith really dove and took a wonderful, wonderful catch to dismiss him for 14. Mitchell Sandler hung around a bit, but there was nothing to write about and they were comfortably uh, comfortably dismissed for 157. Again, Mitchell Stark took a 5-4. He took 5-for-26 of his 9.4 overs. Berendorf started really well, took 2-for-31 of 9. Pat Cummins was played a good holding role, uh, taking 1-for-14 in 6 overs. Nathan Lyon was, uh, took his first World Cup wicket, uh, Right, he took one for 36, and he decided to take his own uh, catching as well. So you know he had dismissed Jimmy Nisham, which was an important wicket as well. Stephen Smith, given the surprising role, took one for six of two overs, and then the rest of the overs were completed also by some spinners. So that was very interesting. All in all, it appears a bit one-sided, and that was very strange, right? When we look at uh, some of the talking points, Kiri, do you have any nice points for us? Yeah, the first and foremost, Australia have qualified. To the knockout stage now, so they will play in a semi-final. Right. Um, so they they await the results from the other matches, and then the pecking order will be decided. And then based on that, if they finish top of the table, then they will finish the fourth position team. And if they finish second, then they will play against the third position team. So something like that. Right. So that's um, so congratulations to Australia for mm. having uh, qualified. Um, the strange thing for me was New Zealand's batting performance. I think for for a change. Uh, Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor were not able to rescue them on this occasion. And uh, uh, Mitchell Stark's, you know, bowling uh, performance continues to uh, excel and, uh, you know, improve. And uh, he probably might end up becoming the most successful, uh, you know, fast bowler in uh, World Cup cricket. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there was a graphic they pulled up during the match, which said he has something like 24 wickets at the end of that match. Right. Uh, having picked up 22 wickets already in the preceding World Cup in uh, 2015. So he has about 46 wickets and he has at least one more match to go. Uh, One or two matches actually. So one league match and then the other one will be a semi-final. So he has two more matches to go. He has, yeah, he might pick up uh, some more wickets there. So 46 wickets in just two World Cups. Do you think that's a good number? Oh, that's a fantastic number. Come on. (laughs) Uh, I think Chaminda was played in three World Cups and took 49 wickets. So mm-hmm. 46 and 2 is not bad and he might even have 50 maybe before the World Cup is done, mm-hmm. right? That's very good. And, you know, he's very much on target. Given he's 29 years old, he's heading up to take the record away from Glenn McGrath, who has 71, right? From four World Cups. So mm-hmm. in another World Cup already, maybe Mitchell Stark will beat that. So that's fantastic. As we were talking in the previous episode as well, 
come the World Cup, something happens to this guy. He completely switches on, right? Yeah. And that's a bad thing for all opponents of Australia. <laughs> the other thing is, you said, right, he took um, 46 wickets. He has taken them at an average of 12 and a half per wicket. That's crazy. That's really, really crazy. So, he's mm. like a real giant killer. So, maybe this is also a more switched on Stark. When India played um, Australia, they were able to bunt him out. It remains to be seen uh, if India and Australia were to ever play each other again in this World Cup, how it goes, right? Mm. The other thing, well, I mean, the batting model that New Zealand have come up with, really. I mean, this is a bit of a weird thing because uh, they are, you expect a New Zealand batting lineup to do a little bit better than this. Take away Ken Williamson, maybe also to an extent Ross Taylor, and there's nothing there. Tom Latham has been a complete failure. Martin Guptill, who's usually giving them good starts, hasn't done much. Colin Munro, finally the patience ran out, right? Colin de Grandhome has been also very reliable, but unfortunately him and Jimmy Nisham, who were able to make up the numbers and make sure, you know, New Zealand get close to the target at least completely failed here. Mm. The other thing, they've, they've, they've been rigging the changes. So the other thing for them is they have at least one more match, but what, it, what this means is that one more match will become very important for them. That will yeah. at least yeah. determine where they finish if at all. And maybe, you know, they also may miss out if they are not careful here. So, that's very crucial for them. And that, given that, you know, England are also in a similar position and they play England, it's going to be a mouth-watering match for me. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, my question is, did New Zealand peak, peak too early in this tournament? Are they on the decline? <laughs> Do you think? Because they had a close match against West Indies as well, which shouldn't have been so close. They should have finished it off. They shouldn't have uh, let uh, Brathwaite. Full credit to him. He uh, he played a very good innings. He played a very good century then. Uh, but they, maybe they should have finished it off much earlier. And yeah, I mean, I think the, this time the batting uh, is a bit of a concern. And uh, if Ken Williamson and Ross Taylor do not click, then the others don't seem to, uh, you know, uh, do well. Uh, so, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really... Curious about, I mean, as to what's going to happen in the next few matches because I think the lot of positions opening up now, you know, because of these kinds of results. Australia, of course, have qualified, uh, and then um, India still stand a good chance to qualify. They have a few matches. New Zealand has just one match, and uh, I think uh, India playing New Zealand. I think you're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that anyway shortly. Right. Uh, and Pakistan and Bangladesh. Bangladesh may have an outside chance, but I think Pakistan is still you know knocking on that door so it's going to be very interesting in the next couple of days at least um yeah i think india bangladesh is going to be key and after that they will uh, will probably see a, a pattern emerging which will uh, right. probably settle down interesting yeah. all right uh, let's then look at quickly the uh, highlights of the match mm -hmm. between india and england yeah so edge baston india and england played uh, this match at edge baston uh, England won the toss and uh, Owen Morgan uh, decided to bat first. Uh, England began began very cautiously. India bowled very well. Uh, Indian fast bowlers, uh, Mohammad Shami and uh, Jaspreet Bumrah. I think we can call them fast bowlers now because they consistently bowl uh, 140 plus these days. Um, uh, so the initial spell was very good with the new ball. Uh, so England were very cautious. They didn't try to take any undue risk. But then... You know, the return of Jason Roy, I think, seems to have done their squad so much of uh, a difference there, I think, in a positive way. Jason Roy and Johnny Besto uh, put on a first-wicket partnership of 160 runs in 22.1 overs. 
Can you imagine that? So they're back to their old form now. <laughs> right. So this is what England always want to do. They always want to bat first, put up a score, big score. And I think looking at this opening partnership, they were due a big score. I think uh, I remember uh, following this score line uh, uh, earlier in the day. And then I noticed, I mean, I was thinking to myself, uh, maybe a 400 is possible here because 160 in 22 overs, you, you can easily double that, right? <clears throat> and add another 50 runs to that. So, but then... Um, Jason Roy was holed out uh, to um, Ravindra Jadeja, who came in as a substitute <clears throat> for uh, KL Rahul. Mm-hmm. He f- took a fantastic catch, a diving catch uh, right. at long on. And uh, once that happened, um, Johnny Bestow and uh, Joe Root got together, put on another good partnership. I think uh, approximately, I think 45 runs, 45 to 50 runs. Before which, I think Johnny Bestow scored his century. He made 111. Um, but he seemed to be out of touch as soon as, as soon as he scored his century. I think he was not finding the middle of his bat. He looked very fidgety, mm. and then he tried to, you know, uh, hit Shami out of the park, and then he was caught at a deep cover by Rishabh Pant for a well-made 111 runs. So the right. opening openers clicking really well there, and then Owen Morgan was uh, dismissed very quickly. By a short pitch delivery, a good tactic use tactic uh, used by Shami, like uh, Mitchell Stark did in the previous match, <clears throat> and then um, Joe Root and uh, uh, Ben Stokes had a very good partnership. I think 70 runs. I think this was a very crucial partnership, although they were very slow in the. I think between the overs for 30 and 40, they made, they ensured that no no further wickets were lost, and then Joe Root was eventually di- dismissed. Uh, in the 45th over mm-hmm. when he was on 44 runs okay. trying to accelerate but then uh, I think that was expected in the end um, Josh Butler uh, came in to bat then along with uh, Ben Stokes uh, he played a couple of very good shots and then he was dismissed soon after but the score was already past 300 by then I think 310 was the score when Butler was dismissed and we were mm-hmm. in the 47th over and Ben Stokes um, you know, he was still there. He was batting really nicely. He was very uh, fluent. He was hitting a few boundaries and sixes. And then uh, along with the others like Chris Wokes and Liam Plunkett and Joe Fracher, England managed, he managed to drag the uh, score to 337 runs for uh, seven wickets before he was dismissed uh, in the final over uh, uh, by uh, <clears throat> Bumrah. So bowling figures, Mohammad Shami, Picked up five wickets, so it's a mm-hmm. five-wicket haul for him, uh, and uh, went for 69 runs. He was a bit expensive, but only in the latter part of the uh, innings, I have to say. But the initial spell was very good. Bumrah was as miserly as always, 44 runs for one wicket in his 10 overs. Mm-hmm. Um, Hardik Pandya, with his medium pace, went for 60 runs in his 10 overs. Did not pick up a wicket, but if you look at it from the context of his game I think uh, this was not such a bad bowling performance mm-hmm. but very crucially the Indian spinners uh, Chahal and Kuldeep Yadav they went for a lot of runs Kuldeep although he picked up a wicket he went for 72 runs while uh, Chahal I think he this is probably one of the worst bowling figures by an Indian bowler probably next to Javagal Srinath from the 2003 final uh, he went <laughs> right. for uh, 88 runs in his 10 overs mm. I think in that match, Srinath might not even have finished his 10 overs, if I remember it right. right. Um, <clears throat> Indian innings, KL Rahul um, where, you know, got out for a duck. He was cotton bowled by Chris Wokes of his own bowling. 
then rohit sharma and virat kohli uh, played very uh, you know uh, i think they they had a very pedestrian partnership to start with they were not scoring a lot of runs i think india's first 10 overs only got them 28 runs for the loss of one wicket so they were really slow in the first 10 overs and then they began to accelerate uh, ever so slightly and then kohli found his rhythm rohit sharma also played a few shots and kohli was dismissed in the 29th over um, when the score was 146 so <clears throat> india still needed a lot of runs uh, but you know rohit sharma was joined by rishabh pant rishabh pant playing in his first match in place of uh, vijay shankar of course uh, he made 32 runs before he before he was uh, out um, caught in the deep by plunket rohit sharma himself was out uh, you know caught by caught behind by butler of the bowling of wokes having made a very good century but he could not con- you know convert that century into a very big century like he normally does um, and then right. i think uh, india's middle order basically did not click they did not fire there was no momentum that was added by the uh, middle order there uh, when uh, hardik pandya and uh, mahendra singh dhoni got together i think hardik pandya was the only guy who looked like hitting the ball cleanly mm. and out of the park right. uh, he he was the only guy who was trying to inject some momentum basically uh, dhoni was trying to support him to start with and then when hardik pandya was uh, dismissed by plunket caught in the deep by james wins mm-hmm. for 45 Dhoni and Kedar Jadhav um, try to, you know, <laughs> try to India take India home, but I think they they were horribly short. Uh, Hardik Pandya was dismissed when the score was 267 runs. That was the fall of the fifth wicket. Dhoni and Jadhav, both of them remained not out. Dhoni with 42 runs in 31 deliveries, uh, with four four fours and a six, and Kedar Jadhav himself was not out on 12. but india although they reached 306 for the loss of five wickets in 15 50 overs mm-hmm. uh, i think when pandya was out they basically lost the chase they they looked very down i think they didn't even they probably gave up i think by the body language uh, if you looked at the body language of dhoni and jadhav uh, i think mm-hmm. they probably gave up i don't know why but there are some questions to be answered there and uh, virat kohli himself in the press conference said they still needed to talk about this and understand what happened there because he thought dhoni was not able to uh, hit the ball well because england was england were england bowlers were bowling really well right anyway talking of bowling uh, english bowlers i think they bowled really well they had a very good match today they were very good in the uh, initial part of the innings you know like i said 10 overs 28 runs uh, in the first power play uh, when india batted chris wokes uh, went a couple of big actually picked up a couple of wickets went for 58 runs although he had three maidens in his initial spell i think that was very crucial it made sure india didn't get off to a very quick you know good start um jofra archer did not pick up a wicket but he went for 45 runs liam plunket went for uh, 55 runs in his 10 overs but picked up three wickets i think three crucial wickets uh, he was brought in especially because he is very good during the so to speak boring middle overs with his cutters and slower balls i think he was i think he was vital to this victory let me put it that way uh, adil rashid with his leg leg break went for 40 runs in his uh, six overs ben stokes tried his hand with his uh, fast medium bowling but went for 34 runs in his four overs and mark wood yeah i think he bowled his 10 overs but went for a lot of runs even for 73 runs but in the end it was a comprehensive victory uh, for england for england and uh, i think india were still in the game 
until the 45th over after which they just gave up the i think the fumes they, they were just blown away by england and the batting did not uh, work for india the middle order is not firing unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, for his century in, uh, in in england's innings johnny besto was uh, awarded the player of the match uh, in england with this victory still remain in contention for a semi final spot uh, it has made pakistan's life a little difficult now because of this victory because right. if england had lost this match then pakistan would have been still in the game and i think it would have played to their advantage right uh, but now it 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 looks like pakistan have to fight it really hard and uh, we still don't know what's going to happen until they play their uh, last match so what is your take on this do you think uh, india did well enough yeah i mean you match? already captured it more or less that you know um yeah it looked like the moment pandya got out with still about 30 31 balls left india may have not gone for it as hard as possible look they have bowled really well nothing to take away from how archer bowled and plunkett bowled to a very large extent as well towards the end um, even though chris wokes went for a few runs you are absolutely right his three maidens were very crucial so india were 28 for 1 going into the 11th over in a chase of 335 plus that is a bit less i mean i understand the bowlers are bowling mm-hmm. well but it would probably behoove the batsman to go and uh, take a bit more risks because there are two new balls to be had and there are gaps in the field and we are talking of rohit sharma and kohli there's nobody else right that was a bit unexpected so there i thought india gave up 20 runs mm-hmm. and the other 15 or 20 runs were given up when we did not go hard enough uh, after the 45th over i completely yeah. understand that you know somebody i think you were mentioning to me off air ganguly was saying that you know what's the point of being 306 for 5 why can't you be 300 all out or 298 all out or whatever right mm. so that seems absolutely right because in my opinion as well it would make sense even if you look silly trying to go for the shots because yeah. if even one of those edges or top edges one of those come off right mm-hmm. uh, it it could change the complexion of the game it looked like they had pulled the pet foot of the pedal so i'm also curious what uh, comes out of the indian team management in the coming mm-hmm. days right mm-hmm. this is one mm-hmm. thing the other thing well even though when you look at the partnership between rohit sharma and kohli it does look a little pedestrian but towards the end they were accelerating beautifully so i think the the wicket loss was a bit premature because if mm. kohli had lasted another 3 to 4 overs uh, i i see that the, you know they would have made up another 15 runs there the 15 runs mm. that they gave away in the first 10 overs would have been made up then and there so that mm. was another thing rohit sharma i think went through the gears beautifully and by the time he got out he got to a strike rate of 93 but given that he's batting with kohli and kohli himself was having a strike rate of 86 you could easily imagine that they could have made this up pant did a decent job coming into the squad in place of vijay shankar uh, he was beginning to nail those uh, hard hitting pulls and everything but yeah, he was out to a very very good catch by wokes nobody thought he would get to it this was a diving catch in the boundary and that was very well done and then again pandya himself was also caught of a very good catch so those things were mm. coming in as a bit unexpected so the other thing i found to be a bit weird is even though bumrah bowled really well shami was a bit costly towards the end shami took a 5-4 nothing to take away from him but i think he was a bit costly i think his 48th over of the game or the 49th over of the game, i can't remember which one were very costly 
that was sort of unexpected from him right the other thing i don't know if uh, jadhav is carrying an injury you would have expected that he would have made up a few of these overs from the spinners given that yeah. i think kuldeep bowled better than his uh, analysis indicates but chahal mm. was not very effective today mm. right it was probably mm. not a day for right handed spinners even adil rashid was not very effective yeah. but there you would imagine jadhav to chip in with four or five customary you know low low trajectory whatever you call those results yeah <laughs> right. that was unfortunate that he was not uh, employed either uh, pandya did a decent job but then there was nobody to rise up to the challenge other than bomra mm. and i thought at some point in time between if i remember right over numbers 29 to 34 india considered 11 runs only and took two wickets those of yeah. joru as well as uh, besto if i'm not wrong so yeah. that was a turning point but they couldn't turn the screws thereafter so ben stokes broke free and with butler he took england to a very competitive total so all in all it was a bit disappointing but look if you look at the bigger picture uh, probably this this is a good thing as far as the indian team is concerned that mm. they're able to taste defeat and they are able to harden up a bit more maybe instead of getting into a complacent state they are now focusing on what to improve right that's yeah. a good thing forward they have two more matches one against sri lanka one against bangladesh so they can actually uh, make sure if they are able to nail down the qualification with a win against bangladesh they have uh, they have a slightly easier journey on the other mm. hand what you mentioned just earlier if pakistan were to you know win the game against bangladesh uh, then it's it's going to be all all to play for when bangladesh plays india so let's see how that goes mm. Mm. yeah and talking about england's batting performance uh, i was watching this interview of uh, johnny besto player of the match and uh, how he played uh, spin so well he said he played the ball based on merit there was no pre-planned uh, thing about you know attacking the spinners or anything like that and he credited um i would say i mean he credited uh, vvs lakshman for his uh, you know mentorship when he was playing for uh, sunrisers in the ipl so vvs lakshman apparently helped him helped him out about uh, you know how how to play spin and uh, how to approach and what are the hitting areas and uh, how to construct an innings when you're playing uh, spin bowling especially so that was good of him you know, to you know to credit his uh, improvement to vvs Uh, so so england are learning and uh, because of all these uh, t20 leagues i think people are learning from each other so batting is getting easier and easier and after a long while i think we we got to see a uh, 300 plus score both teams scoring 300 and more i think if you look at all the matches that were played i think probably since the beginning of the week towards the end of this uh, week it was more uh, you know reminiscent of the 1990s 220 to 250 and that was <laughs> more than enough right so people were uh, teams were able to defend such a low score mm-hmm. and now we are again seeing a 300 plus score uh, so let's see how it goes w- w- i don't know if this edge beston pitch was it a used one or is it a new one for this match may have been a new one i think okay. that's what we get to see i think this was more batting friendly compared with all the other matches that we had in this week so anyway we'll see what happens uh, mm-hmm. so i think the next match i India will play Bangladesh I think that's going to be crucial for Bangladesh especially and England of course uh, or, or Pakistan will also have to play Bangladesh right so we'll see how that goes right uh, two deciding matches I think especially mm-hmm. for Pakistan indeed indeed so uh, tomorrow uh, that is the 1st of July begins the next uh, more important match well this is more of a pride it's important mm. because both these teams Sri Lanka and West Indies will probably don't uh, have a chance of qualifying west indies definitely not sri lanka well just a sliver so probably they are going to play for the pride here so uh, i hope both the teams you know put forward their best foot and try to see 
if they can at least salvage some pride. This is going to be played in Chester Street, so we are really looking to see how it goes. Right now, uh, if you look at the other World Cup news, we understand that Brathwaite has been fined uh, for questioning a wide in the game versus India, and he's been fined appropriately. And then Kasun Rajita, the Sri Lankan fast bowler, replaces Nuan Pradeep, uh, who unfortunately is out with chickenpox. And uh, for the remaining matches in this uh, World Cup squad, Rajita replaces Pradeep, right? And um, if you look at the other news, the news from around the world, cricketing news. So we hear that there have been some coaching um, decisions, and uh, with the hundred picking up pace and set to debut in 2020. Mahela Jayawardena has been named as the head coach of Southern Braves, the hundred side based in Southampton, and then Shane Bond looks to be his assistant, right? Also, there are some other rumors and uh, news. So Andrew McDonald is more or less certain to be the coach of Birmingham Phoenix. Daniel Vettori will be his deputy, and then um, Shane Warne has been tapped to be the coach of London Spirit. Also, Stephen Fleming will be probably the head coach of Trent Rockets. Most of these things are about to be. Uh, nailed down and mm-hmm. uh, the final round of talks as we hear are being uh, undertaken except mahela has already signed this is what we hear right right uh, well i mean this is something we'll set aside for another day but i'm very curious to hear your thoughts on what the 100 you think will be right and how you think it will go now uh, another ugly issue with respect to you know over age players representing uh, age cricket has come up where rasik salam Uh, who played uh, one game in for Mumbai Indians in the IPL has been found to be a bit older than he actually claimed to be. He's been withdrawn from the India Under-19 squad going to the World Cup next month and has been banned for two years by BCCI. This is this is a very unfortunate event in the life of this young man. I don't think it was his 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 decision to do this thing, but this is a very unfortunate thing, and we hope he bounces back and bounces back stronger. Right now, if we go on to the trivia question. the trivia question from the previous episode was a slightly tricky one so we had asked what is the most number of bytes considered in an odi match not in an innings so our uh, many of our regular listeners seem to have picked it up we have a couple of half answers but only yogesh seemed to have picked the full question and come up with the real answer so the real answer is there are two matches both in pakistan so in the very early days of odis so one was pakistan versus new zealand held in cl court in 1976 where pakistan considered 18 bys and uh, new zealand considered 3 uh, well the other way around new zealand considered 18 bys and pakistan considered 3 and then uh, in the other match that is uh, we can talk about is the one in 1986 between pakistan and west indies this time at multan so 16 bys were considered by pakistan and 5 by west indies both of these matches had a total of 21 bys this is the answer we were looking for we got a couple of half answers where a couple of people guessed one or the other we'll always encourage you to go a bit deeper but we are really happy to see these answers coming through right so the trivia question for this week is in a world cup match how many times have the last three wickets to fall in an innings been to hat tricks right so you can get in touch with us uh, to give us the answers to these questions or maybe you know share your thoughts and comments on social media platforms like twitter where we are available on @amchakrikpod by our facebook page or you could write into us at amchakrikpod@gmail.com or leave a comment using whichever uh, you know app you use to listen to the podcast right for example apple podcast pod bean any of these right there, there are plenty of very interesting matches coming up in this week you know with teams looking to at least seal their spots or at least uh, you know reserve one specific spot going into the knockout so i hope you 
do stay tuned in and listen to all our episodes coming up right having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast